that's I was just talking to a friend I think it's so interesting how like the price range is so different in the United States for hairstylists from state to state and area and area like you have some people who are charging hundreds of dollars a haircut and then you have others who are charging like 25 and they're still high for their area that's so true all right here we go Welcome back to another episode of The Break Room Banter, a hairstylist-adjacent podcast where each week two friends who happen to be hairstylists break down our week in the break room. I'm your host, Hunter Walden, joined by my lovely co-host, Anna Schrader. And today we are talking about raising our prices and what that looks like for us and our industry. I'm really excited about it. Um, I do think it's important to say in the beginning that we're only speaking from our own experiences. Yeah, we're not, we're not we don't saying, have degrees in... Right. Um, <laughs> we, don't uh, we don't want you to take what we say and say this is the only way to do it. Uh, we are just going to share our experiences and our failures and our successes. And you can take from that, use it exactly if you want um but make it your own do whatever you want to do with that good point hunter um should we start with our bouquet thorns and roses yes so (laughs) i started last week so you start this week what was your rose my rose okay so i am actually still on break i the salon we went in and painted and did a lot of fun renovations and moved things around and just did like a refresh. And so that was a big rose. Um, Another big rose was I, again, spent time with my family, but I also got to go snowboarding this week, which was really fun. Was that like a race or something? What was that? Oh, that was another, that was, um, that was actually, yes, that was a ski race. So that was a cross country, like Nordic ski race. That was another rose that was also covered in thorns (laughs) I like you know type two fun where it was like felt like death while I was racing but afterwards it was like so rewarding yeah like oh my god I did that I did that yes (laughs) it's also been super cold here like today I don't even think the kids were in school today they had off yeah it was uh I think this morning I saw negative 18 oh my god I know that didn't include windchill. So with windchill, it was like negative 35. So they did not make the children wait by the bus station today. They said, stay home and stay in your warm house. <laughs> Do not Absolutely. venture yeah, yeah, we had that snowstorm last week, uh, which I guess was also a rose and a thorn for me. Uh, we got, I think, eight inches of snow, which is a lot for Nashville. Or in Tennessee in general. Uh, And it stayed for like two days. Fun! Yeah, we closed this. The salon was closed for two days. So I went back to work the day we recorded the podcast last week. Uh, And then I had two days days off right after that. So I only worked two days last week. So Rose and a thorn. Right? Yes, I'm feeling the same way. I'm definitely ready to go back to work. I miss my clients. I am getting antsy, and although I've kept busy, I really do miss having my hands in hair. Oh and gosh, um, yeah. gosh, I'm not even going to tell you how much snow we got, Hunter. You don't want to know. 
Is it, is it more than two feet? Yes, yes. Uh, that's too much, honestly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love it. Uh, I love to you... look at it. It's I'll just, just send you all so the Snapchats. cold. <laughs> yes. Like, you sent me that Snapchat of you in your car looking at your house. I would have never made it to my car. I <laughs> absolutely not. The, I can't handle cold. It's so oh. cold. You know, you just run fast and... Yeah, and Sometimes slip and break your arm. <laughs> I will say that because we have so much snow, we don't have as much ice. Like you guys get real bad ice storms, and um, so I do not envy that. So it's not so as slippery as it is for you guys. Yeah, what's so funny about this snow? Normally, you're right. It snows and then it turns right into ice. This time, it snowed. It was 18 degrees one day, 20 the next. The next day, girl, it was 45 to 50 degrees and pouring rain. Everything went away. Uh, And then today it was just a normal, it was like 45 all day. Sunshine. Yeah, that would drive me crazy. I'm like, give us snow or give us grass. One of the two. I hate the in-between. The wet, brown, Mm -hmm. gray. Yeah. 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 Well, should we get to biz? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) I'm down. So, Uh, okay. So for those of you that don't know, hairstylists can make money a couple of ways. One of those being commission and Hunter, you, you work in a commission salon, don't you? Yes, I do. And so do Um, I, but the other way and what that looks like is that um, you work for a business, an owner, and mm-hmm. you do not pay rent or anything. And the owner supplies all of your hair care needs, gives you a station, takes care of all the book work, and then you get a paycheck from them at the end of or whenever your pay period once every two weeks. And then the other kind is booth rent, uh, which I've had experience with. Um, and I do, there's in between these two ways that there are for us to get paid. There are so many variables in those two. Um, so whatever those two variables look like for you, but with booth rent, the most typical situation is where you rent a station or a booth or a studio suite or a loft and you provide all of your products. You do your own taxes, you pay your own paycheck, you're an LLC or a sole proprietor, uh, you are your own boss. You make your own schedule. No one tells you what to wear, all of the things. Um, Out of the two, I found that I prefer commission. Having worked both, uh, but that's just a personal opinion on my behalf. Yeah, so I've actually only worked in a commission salon and I would I would tend to agree with Hunter even though I have never like rented a booth but I love the atmosphere of working together as a team and Absolutely. you yeah you're not competing next uh, against the person next to you you're like working with them you have like the same goals I, I mean reasonably like working together as a salon family and um and I think that really benefits the client too because mm-hmm. and I feel like it it continues to light that fire 
underneath you that's like, I personally, I am so competitive. I thrive whenever I'm working next to someone and I'm like, oh, we started this highlight at the same time, bet I can't finish before you. And then just like constantly pushing myself. So that's, I love working in an environment where I have people around me that push me like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And usually what it, what happens is you start at at a certain commission. So usually you start at like 50%, wouldn't you say Hunter is typical? Um, Maybe for where you are. There are salons, um, I've worked in salons where the lowest paid commission is anywhere from like 30 to 40%. Okay. And then generally, the more you work, the higher your commission goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So each year, and that's how you get raises each year is by going up in commission and then also raising your prices. Yeah. So going right along with that, uh, uh, both of us being commissioned, we don't necessarily purchase our own products, but we are feeling the effects of our products either A, not being available, or B, because they're not available, the demand is so high, the prices are raising, mm-hmm. um, which is making us raise our prices on our guests. Right. So, and um, I also, so I work in a commission salon, but I also help manage our salon. So I do all the ordering. So I'm seeing those numbers go up and I'm sitting with my bosses and we're talking and we're looking at prices and kind of looking at the books. And so we do see it too. It's a, it's a checks and balances. You have to, you know, I feel like a lot of clients are going to get upset that our prices are going to increase. And I think the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because every year we increase our prices in some way or another, a dollar here, a dollar there, but people are going to start seeing some major, major price increases. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, definitely. And um, we'll talk about some of those increases. And Hunter, you actually, you put out a Facebook little survey asking all of our hairstylist friends. So why don't we go over that? Um, how they are seeing uh, the Absol- price inflation. Absolutely. While I'm looking for that, do you want to talk about what you guys just did in your salon? Like, how did you, uh, quote unquote, do your checks and balances? So the way we went about raising our prices this year was that we not every year is the same. So last year we didn't increase our haircut prices and this year we are. So we kind of go back and forth. One year we increase our color services and then the next year we increase our, our haircut services. Mm-hmm. And we, we took a look at where we were losing money and uh, a lot of that was in uh, our foils. We were, we're, ta- mm-hmm. we're spending a lot of time on those blendy blendy foils and we're not charging enough for them. So that is, I would say, the biggest service that went up in prices. And Was there uh, foiling we, services? Yeah, foiling services, corrective, anything corrective. And we took a look at how busy we are. And sometimes we feel like we can't keep up. So that was a pretty good indicator good to sign. us. Like, yeah, it's, it's time for our well-being and the well-being of our clients mm-hmm. to be giving them a service that 
we can deliver to, with them in confidence, knowing that we're all in it. We feel valued. We feel like we can give them the best service and we're, we're able to raise our prices with confidence. Which and is then, fantastic. Yeah. And um, we do, we are hiring a new stylist, which we're super, super excited about bringing her on board. And um, she will be working for about six months. We call it kind of like a, um, a period where she'll be having her prices will be a little bit less. And um, like a probationary a of, period. Yeah. A that was the word period. I was looking for. <laughs> I was yeah. like, prohibition. That's not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do hair. No. <laughs> And then um, what we will do is we'll put a sign up on the front. Even though we have all the prices that we know are going to be increasing, we'll put up a sign right up at the register that says, as of February 1st, our prices will be going up. So then people have the chance to mentally prepare themselves. And and then also if it opens the door, if they feel like they need to ask us any questions, we can be really transparent with that. And um, yeah, it was just time, you know, mm-hmm. there's cost of living is going up. Um, cost of utility. time. That's huh? the key word right there is it's just time to do it. Right? It's just, just time. Do it. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people on Facebook, uh, had a lot to say um but i'll just go ahead and start with the cost of color uh i've seen there were like three comments about this that their color has gone up from a dollar fifty to two dollars a tube and when hair color in the beginning was starting around i remember when i was buying hair color when i very first started booth running it was $5 a tube. Yeah. And yep. now I believe it's eight, $8.67. Mm-hmm. Around there. Around that area. Um, mm-hmm. But traveling expenses has gone up to go see classes, which uh, also means that shipping costs are getting higher. So if you don't live in an area that you can purchase go to a store and purchase your color then getting it shipped to you is costing more yeah then the last was had someone give me specifics there has been this year four to seven dollar increase on foils our they used to be our salon purchases the big cases of the reynolds wrap and we tear our own foils. <laughs> Very mm-hmm. old school, but hey, I prefer them. Uh, their cases used to be 50 to $60 for six, nine boxes of 500 foils. And it is now $120 a case. So completely, it's completely doubled. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the increase on gloves is where oh my gosh. it blows my mind, which yes. it makes complete sense. We're in the middle of a Panda Express. Like, everybody's using gloves for everything <laughs> in this Pangea. Uh, the gloves have increased 10 to $12 a box. Yes. That's there an was 80% a glove increase on gloves. 
Yeah. And just so you know, you use your gloves. Like every person, new gloves. Absolutely. You're constantly reuse, like having to use new gloves. They're essential because you're working. We're also working with chemicals. Absolutely. I am the first to admit that I am not an avid glove wearer, but they are necessary to our industry. I had a client I've the other day. I've seen your nails. Comp- <laughs> listen, Linda. <laughs> listen. <laughs> I had a client the other day compliment my nail polish color, and that's whenever I really knew that I should start wearing gloves. Did you tell him it was six N? <laughs> I did. I said, "Girl, that's your that's your hair color right there. That five point two three. That's what that Someone- is." <laughs> you know how when you get color in your nail, it's like it's like. Brown if you're a hairstylist, you'll know the look. But someone once commented how they liked my ombre nails. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's the shampoo, the shampoo ball special. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or um, let's just talk about the bleach burns. Has that ever happened? Oh my gosh. I don't have any fingerprints. I was going to say, I'm shocked that I have fingerprints because we could get away with burned. murder. Huh? We could get away with murder. Our fingerprints are completely disappeared. Except for not. I could still see them. But if, if someone goes missing, we didn't do it. <laughs> um, but Kelly that commented on my status on Facebook gave a lot of details. She, do you want me to, should I just read her experience? Share hers? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. So Kelly on uh, Instagram. She's a hairstylist in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, she says that every Tuesday she goes to the supply store. Usually once a month she does a big trip. She doesn't know exact price downs, but she can get them if we would like them. Uh, she does a fall, a few small trips to restock as she goes. Her big trips were costing around three fifty to four hundred, and usually two to three boxes of foils, all styling products, gloves, retail back bar, two big bleach tubs, developer Olaplex, and toners. So I'm assuming that was before the prices all raised. Uh, and her small trips, just to restock a few things, were around a hundred to hundred and fifty. Now her small trips are around 250 to 300. Um, and her big trips are anywhere from six to nine hundred dollars. Wow. So double. Yeah. And that doesn't surprise me. I was waiting for those numbers. It's but it's still like when I hear it, it it's still like, wow, yep, that mm-hmm. puts it into perspective how much it's changed and then when you think about your price, you have to, if Kelly, if she's like renting a chair, you add on anywhere from three to, you know, $600 for rent or more, mm-hmm. depending on where you live. National, well, the average here is anywhere from $500 a week to 900 a week, depending yes. on what area of town you are. I know it's a big jump. A week or a uh, month, Hunter? A week. Oh, okay, wow. So mm-hmm. you have to add all of that rent into the cost for supplies mm-hmm. and then electricity and water. And so there's a lot more that goes into a haircut or a color than people may think. Absolutely. As, 
as stylists, we all know this. I've done um, a lot of price breakdowns because I'm a numbers freak. I love to look at the numbers. I like to see, you know, growth spikes and falls and figure all the formulas out because I'm a little bit of a nerd. But I, back in 2021, when we were sitting at home, I figured out how much it costs to do a each service in the salon, whether it be a haircut, how many pumps of shampoo it took, down to the ounce. And for the product that I use in my salon, just to do one person's hair, it costs around $150 just for one person. Yeah. So if that one person, her ticket is only $150, then the salon makes no money because the salon still has to pay me. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So um, another interesting thing with um, pricing things and for the most part, the cost of goods it's pretty mm-hmm. equal across the nation, wouldn't you say? A tube of color oh, yeah. is pretty steady. Maybe 10 cents here and there, depending on which distributor you have. But for the most part, it's pretty steady. But what's interesting is the cost of service is not. Absolutely not. And um, Hunter and I, we were just talking about this before we um, went live, that... Um, it is astounding. Like the averages from the West Coast to the East Coast and the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And those of us in the Midwest are dramatically lower than the coasts. So um, what we were looking at, and this is just average, mm-hmm. it's about almost double for a haircut in on the coast, like LA or New York versus the Midwest. Yes. Which I thought was LA and New York are really similar. But then in the Midwest, if you're not in Dallas, it's half of the cost of the coast coastal cities. Mm -hmm. Even in the major cities in the Midwest, which is what I found crazy to me. Because if you're living in Chicago where the cost of living is a little bit higher than say Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of a Midwest city. I'm not very geographically. Ironwood, Michigan. <laughs> uh, Ironwood, Michigan. That's the cost of living there is like dramatic. But your a prices but your mm-hmm. prices based on your area surprisingly are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it makes sense. Cost of living is everything. But I think your point of like the major cities like Chicago, the Midwestern cities, it's pretty shocking how it's dramatically lower, but cost of living is still really high in those cities. And, but, you know, there are certain things in very rural USA, like Ironwood, there are certain things that are surprisingly high, like groceries are pretty high and gas is a lot higher here. And, it's just because everything it's kind of like living on an island you have to ship everything <laughs> that's really interesting i get so interested to hear about ironwood and just Ooh. the small town it is it gives me like from the small bits of information that i know about it it gives me um 
Gilmore Girl vibes. Like mm. everyone knows everyone. You walk to the coffee shop and wave. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And I can't um, wait to come visit. Yes, that's I'm so just excited. how you'll have to spend a week in Ironwood with me, and then it'll in be the really summer. fun. You can, yeah, in the summer or in the mm-hmm. winter. No, ma'am. <laughs> I'll come in the summer and I'll bring my um, my my aluminum can with dry beans in it to scare off the bears. <laughs> I've watched National Geographic. I know how to hike. Yes. This will so be great. It'll be great. You're so prepared. But, but so, and here in Nashville is what I find super interesting because I'm in Tennessee. The average, quote unquote, is a lot lower city to city, even in Tennessee, mm-hmm. at least. So mm-hmm. where I work, I work in a suburb of Nashville. It's uh, called Murfreesboro. It's a college town. Uh, so my prices, and then someone who works 20 minutes away in downtown Nashville, their prices could be double what my yeah. prices would be, just 20 minutes down the road. That's crazy. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I will say that there is a town, um, it's about 40 minutes south of Ironwood and it's a super touristy little town and it's about the same their prices are dramatically higher but it's because people are visiting they have the tourist Mm -hmm. dollar yep and cost of living there too is higher so that is a huge thing but we also just you know it goes back to um it's if you feel like it's time it's time and Mm -hmm. some tips would just be raise those prices with confidence and be transparent with your with your guests you don't have to give them a complete price breakdown unless they're asking you for it but i don't see anyone doing that right but, and um, you know what if they do ask the key to that in my experience is just be confident yep when you just tell be them confident uh speaking of you know tips and tricks on changing your prices i have like i said i'm a nerd uh so you explained that you know you guys assessed that you were a little busy and you kind of went with how it felt on how you changed prices i uh tend to take a more more of a formulated approach uh so what i do is I add up the top, the total cost of education for the year. Mm-hmm. So how many, how much did I spend on education? And, and then I figure out the percentage of inflation for the year. And then I take that total of the amount of inflation and the cost that I spent on education. And I divide that by 52 which is 52 weeks in a year. And so that's how I find my weekly increase. Okay. So after I have my weekly increase, then I divide that by how many hours in a week that I work. And that gives me how much I need to make more in a day. I take that total, my daily increase, and divide that by how many hours I work in a day 
and that gives me my hourly increase. So if that increase is say $20, then my prices are going to be increased $20 per hour. Hmm. And I can divvy that out however I however it seems right. Like you said, you're spending more time on your foils, your the foil cost is more expensive. So allocating where that dollar amount is, as long as you know, hey, I need to make 20 more dollars an hour this year than I did last year so that I can spend 20% more on my education the next year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really, really smart way of doing it. And um, so do you charge by the hour or do you charge by the service? I charge by the service unless it's a color correction. Okay. And that's so that I can, in my color corrections, I ensure that everything that needs to be done is going to be done. Yeah, that makes sense. Essentially. So it's not, uh, what's the word? A la carte. Yep. Whenever and a you client can use all the products see, you need. Absolutely. When a client starts to see four additional bowls with a deep conditioner or a bond builder, it's what the hair needs. And I'm going to make sure that you have healthy, beautiful hair at the end of it. And that's the best way to do that is to charge hourly in my, for, for me. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Another question for you, Hunter. Since you work in a salon with a team of other stylists under an owner, mm-hmm. do you set your own prices? No, do you... we do not. So if you feel like you need to raise your prices, you would you would figure that out, that formulation that you just gave me, mm-hmm. and then bring that to your boss and say, this is what I think needs to happen. Absolutely. And we can collaborate on that, whether you know your owner, your leader, your boss... Uh, whatever they think but at mm-hmm. the end of the day if you're making more money they're making more money so yeah. I w- my advice on that would be to never shy away from saying hey I did this and I think that I could do more if, yeah. if um, but to tack on to that advice I would I never really like to my current um, boss and mentor she instilled this in me from day one and it's stuck and it's the best advice that I think I've ever gotten in my professional career. And she says to not come to her with a problem unless you've already worked on a solution. So Mm -hmm. if you're feeling this, if you're feeling for a lack of a better word, burnt out, and you feel like, oh, I need to raise my prices, then don't be afraid to come up with a solution. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe my way of my quick formulation works for you or Anna's way of seeing where you need to increase those prices based on what you're spending. Mm-hmm. It's two completely valid ways of going about changing your prices. Absolutely. And um, I would say as a manager too, part of what I do is figure out that morale and have, you know, talk to my coworkers and 
see how they're feeling if they need to where they feel like we need to increase prices and then coming up with a solution and then bringing it to my bosses so right um an interesting and this goes for anyone in the workforce dealing with inflation after covid um i read an article and are we gonna put links to any articles or do you should i yeah i can if you have a link uh, I'll add it to the description of the podcast. Um, and that being said, our description of our podcast, you will find that on anchor.fm, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm, or on youtube.com forward slash Breakroom Banter Podcast. Those are the two places that we're going to be able to leave links for you guys to go back and look at the things that we're talking about. Okay. So one article that I did read was talking about inflation after COVID and um, looking at the next year because, you know, December hits November, December, and everyone starts thinking about, oh, what is the next year going to look like? And that's when you usually go to your bosses and look, assess and, you know, ask for those raises or talk about price increases. And the article was saying that with inflation, Um, Normally people get maybe a 1% raise, maybe one Mm -hmm. to 3% raise is average. In order to just break even, you have to have a 5% raise. Interesting. Just to cover cost of living with increases this this year. And so if you want a 1% raise, you really should be asking for a 6% raise. Interesting. Yeah. So as stylists, we know that um, if we get a 1% raise in commission, it's going to even out to be more in your yearly income. Mm -hmm. And then you have to then look at raising your prices in order to cover that, the rest Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, I uh, really like the way that we get paid at my salon. We're on a sliding scale. So essentially, our the way we get paid is based on our productivity. So meaning a level one stylist is has the opportunity to also make the same percentage of commission that a level four or five stylist gets. It just depends on productivity. It's harder to hit those higher numbers when you are in the lower levels just because of the lower price range. But it's possible. So ours is based solely on productivity and I really like that. Yeah, I feel like that would be a good incentive for some. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm that competitive. I have that competitive drive, so... I know I'm like, I need to make X amount of dollars if I want to make that percentage of commission. Yeah. (laughs) I'm very much not that way. (laughs) I know. You're so sweet and gentle. And I'm like, like, fire. (laughs) Once in a while, I get competitive. I I do get competitive, but yeah, not really with my coworkers much, but um, I I I get competitive in like... I get competitive in like ping pong and, and like, you know, things that matter, things that matter truly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, I don't know. 
what's that card game that I love? Um, it's not a card game, board game. Catan, Settlers of Catan and Risk. Oh my God, I love that game. Yes, I that is it. when I get I can't find anyone to play with me. Have you ever played Risk? I don't know that I have. Oh, you'd love it. Okay. Especially if you like Catan. I love Catan. <laughs> I have like the whole like Seafarers expansion pack and um, that's really fun. That makes me so jealous. Yeah, you have like little boats and islands. What? Cool. I just yeah. have little roads and houses. Well, when you come to visit Hunter, we can play. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, one more topic on the docket today of just another way to not increase your prices, but increase your income. Retail. Retail sales. (laughs) So are you selling a a bunch of retail? Yeah, I love retail. And I wouldn't say that I'm selling a bunch, but I, it's something I, I I'm good at selling retail, but yeah, I could do better. (laughs) Yeah. So I tell all the girls in my salon who hate quote unquote selling retail. Yeah, I would I would say that I don't sell. Right. I just use Educate. it and love it. And I used to I used to sell it. I used to Absolutely. like bring my clients over to the retail, you know, the eye lock where you don't break eye contact. Mm-hmm. And now it's just mm-hmm. something that like most of my clients are like, oh remind me I need to buy this product. And I'm like, oh yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Or they're asking me, I'm talking about it. And then at the end they're like asking me to buy it and I don't have mm-hmm. to push it on anyone because that makes me very uncomfortable. Oh absolutely. Selling things. And it's I I was also the same way. I was very cringely uh very cringy salesman for a while. But I feel like you kind of have to be at first before you Yeah are grounded in that content of the knowledge of the product, right? And just using it and loving it. Uh, Something I do is whenever I'm putting the product on their hair and I'm talking about it as I'm putting it on, I, I have a table in front of my chair. And once I'm done with that product, I just sit it on the table. Mm. Mm -hmm. And more times than not, my client reaches up and like grabs it and reads the bottle. Yeah. Or does this or does that. And then at the checkout, I'm like, oh, all those products we talked about, I'll go pull those for you. Yep. That's a great way of doing it. I sit it at the front desk. I take everything that I use, sometimes five, six, seven products and set it at the front desk. And I always say, you know, this is what I used on you. I set it in there. I set it up in order of importance that I would Mm -hmm. use. This is, this is your best bet. Yeah. But I like that how you said order of importance, because sometimes it can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. because we use so many products and that's overwhelming for people. And I I usually say, like you said, order of importance, if you were to leave with Mm -hmm. one product, this would be it. If you want to get two, this would be it. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes they buy more than that. And then I'm like, yay. And they love it. They love it. Yeah, I always say shampoo and conditioner. Mm-hmm. Because you can't build a Number house one. without a strong foundation. Yep, yep. If you have like a bunch of coatings and waxes on your hair, then that gel is going to do nothing. Absolutely. So 
Yeah, I do something where I do your basic package, an upgraded package, and then the ultimate package. Mm. Where it's mm-hmm. like shampoo and conditioner are your base necessities. Mm-hmm. I say these are the products that you need. You for sure, if you're using hair color, especially, you need the products that suit your hair color. Mm-hmm. And then I'll add in maybe a leave-in conditioner and a gel or a mousse. Uh, my favorite thing for blondes is the uh, that new silver, the silver savior toning mousse. The treatment oh, I love foam. That. Yes. Oh my gosh. I put that in someone's hair and they're, they immediately need it. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way. I have literally, I have three cans in, in my bathroom. Yeah. And I, I have mine's... four hairs and a loose one on my hair, on my head. <laughs> like I don't, there's no need for me to have three, but I do. I love that Because product. I have a problem. Well, I, I, I love that product because it's like, all right, what are blondes going to want? Boom. The perfect product. It tones uh, and it conditions <laughs> yeah. and gives hair strength. It's magic. So, and it can be mixed with literally anything. So when, um, there's one other topic I wanted to talk about, um, how to save money while we raise prices or, you know, make money in the sun. And that is recording. And this is a goal for everyone in my salon is recording how much product you use on your clients. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not talking like products as in gels, mousses, and leave-ins. I'm talking about your color. Mm-hmm. And this especially goes for your your bread and butter clients, the ones that you get to see every like four to six weeks. Um, I've started like writing down like the grams that I use. So like exact I don't, grammage? The exact grams. Uh, just because like, you know, in a class we teach a batch is 60 grams of color and developer Uh, and that's that's a lot lot. of color and if you are mixing 60 grams every single time you're going to be throwing away a lot and that is a really really good way of saving money is by like mixing less and going back and mixing more if you have to but Mm -hmm. just like record I keep all my formulas in the computer Mm -hmm. so recently I've been going in and saying I have one client we only mix like 20 grams of color for her hair because she has right, very that's 10 very... grams yeah that's three dollars and 36 cents of color wow thank you for that i never would have been able to do that in my mind it's 36 <laughs> cents an ounce for our so color. that's that will that adds up a lot mm-hmm. so maybe try that little it's really easy just write down what you mix and if you mix too much make a little note say i mix too and much there is uh for bigger salons because it is a very large investment I've never worked in a salon with this program but I know that it exists is uh there's a program that will actually hook to your scale and goes directly into your computer through like a cloud and it you measure before and after you apply color and it will correct the formula in the system as you go along it's really complicated and I don't know the exact you know way it works uh George Alderetti actually told me about it years ago and I looked it up back then and read into it it's really interesting and it would be a really great tool for a salon owner who is looking to 
save money everywhere that they can because I'm sure we can all agree that <laughs> that is what's necessary right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I will also say that I am not a micromanager. So um, that sounds like really intense to me. But if that's the type of manager that you are, an owner, then more power to you as long as you're not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exasperating. What is that? Well, word? It's exasperating more... your stylist? Right. Right. It's more for accurate mixing every single time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because if you're... If you have... If you're just throwing away color, you could in your mind say, oh, that was five grams of color. Next time I'll mix up 25. But the this system will actually break it down to like, oh, you used exactly 30 grams of color. Mm -hmm. That's how much you should mix up. Yeah. And there's something just so satisfying by like taking that like color brush and scooping out the last bit and finishing off the section. (laughs) It's just like, I have to, I usually will sing a note when that happens. My clients will hear. (laughs) I I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, I have this special gift where, um, I mix enough color for everything, but the last foil. Yeah. Oh, that is the worst. And on the flip side, that's the worst. When you need one more foil and you have <laughs> yes. to go mix like like it's like that's the moment I yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Really? Oh. Does anybody have lightener? I just please just one scoop. Just one brush full. Oh, <laughs> don't just, do like, that. Walk. That's unsanitary. But <laughs> that's what runs through my brain. You're just gonna like sneak up behind someone and just whoop, grab a little scoop on you. <laughs> I just need this real quick. Just real quick. Imagine it's 30 volume and you're using 10. Oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, oh my gosh. Hunter, I feel like we're to the point where we are um, just getting silly, which is the best part. I, think. I agree. We both wanna thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the break room banter a hairstylist adjacent podcast if you're listening on your favorite podcast app such as spotify and apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a five-star review let us know how we're doing let us know what you want to hear and if you're listening on to on youtube leave a comment and let us know what you're thinking i am at hair x hunter on instagram and i am anna.shr8 hair on instagram and our podcast has an Instagram at Break Room Banter Pod. And this has been the Break Room Banter. See you next time. Bye. Bye.